Welcome to this podcast from Harvest Community Church of Huntersville, North Carolina, where our vision is to make disciples who make disciples. I'm your host, Liz Stefanini. I'm going to put a word up on the screen this morning, and I'd like you to think uh, what comes to your mind when, when, when you see it. And the word is follower. What do you think about when you hear the word follower? Well, you might think of social media, right? Anybody think about social media, Facebook, Instagram, or whatever? Somebody has so many followers. Maybe you're a basketball fan, a college basketball fan. We're right in the middle of March Madness, right? And and there are a lot of followers of certain teams, and they dress weird, and do weird things because they're following, they're a fan, right? There's another kind of following that you might not have thought about as quickly, uh, and that is an apprentice, someone who follows behind someone. They're learning a trade. They're learning how to do a job, and they, they follow them. Today, we're going to learn about a different kind of follower, It actually is closest to that one, the third one of all the three. But we're going to learn what it means to follow Jesus Christ. And I invite your attention to Matthew chapter 4, verse 18 to 22. And I want to read that passage for us. Matthew 4, 18 to 22. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother, Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once, they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing the nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Now, let's set the stage for this. Early in his ministry... Jesus began to preach the message of the kingdom of heaven. And he recruited his very first workers to join him in that mission. This call to follow him and to partner with him was for them, but it's also for us too. There were some differences which we'll note as we go along, but it's a call to follow Jesus and to partner with him. So let's go back into the passage at the beginning at verse 18. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. Now, this event occurs at a very significant spot in the Gospel of Matthew. It's chapter 4. At the beginning of chapter 4... Jesus 
began to preach about the kingdom of God. Now, the early chapters of Matthew talk about Jesus' authority. You've got the genealogy, and then you've got the birth in Matthew chapter 2. You've got uh, the John the Baptist, and you've got the baptism of Jesus. You've got the testing of Jesus. All of these things set him up as authoritative, and now... He begins preaching the rule of God. That's what the kingdom of God is. People falling in line with God's will, submitting to God's rule. Jesus announced it. That was his mission. That was what he was about. He came to preach the kingdom of God. He came to introduce people to God's rule in, 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 in their lives. But... He didn't come to do all the work himself. He could have done all the work himself, right? Jesus did not need any human being to recruit other human beings to be his followers. But interestingly, from near the beginning, his plan was to recruit other people to partner with him. He is going to do it through people. Now, admittedly, none of us are the original 12 disciples of Jesus. We're not over here fishing. It's not the same exact call, but there is a lot in common. There's a lot in common with what what Jesus still wants for those who follow him. Follow him in his character, follow him in his mission. This passage actually is so important. It, in many ways, it is, I think, the key to understanding the life, the purpose, the ministry, the message of Jesus. And as a consequence, for those of us who say that we're following him and want to be his followers, it helps us understand what our lives should be all about. So we're going to learn today what following Jesus means. And in this passage, there are at least three important implications for discipleship. I'm using discipleship and following Jesus interchangeably. Sometimes we use different words, but there's some implications for discipleship here. Let's walk through them. First of all, discipleship has a high demand. And this is on your outline sheet if you're following along there. The demand is radical surrender to Jesus. Radical surrender to Jesus. Literally, Jesus is just saying, come come after me. Come behind me. I don't think this was the very first time. It's the first recorded time of an interaction with Jesus and them. I don't believe that... that this was the very first time they had ever seen Jesus or heard about Jesus or knew anything about Jesus. He had been preaching throughout Galilee. He had been preaching. He had been announcing the kingdom of heaven. Crowds were starting to gather. People were listening. They, I believe, were exposed to him. And remember, the gospel writers give us uh, synopsis accounts. They give us summaries of the things that happened. So it could have been the very first time they saw him, but... Probably, I think they were exposed to him and knew some about who he was. And in this event, he comes to them and he says, look, I am calling you to surrender, to make a radical surrender. In fact, not not a casual surrender, but a radical surrender to me. 
They were fishermen. They fished for a living. They breathed it. They ate it. They talked about it. They studied it. They perfected it. If Bassmasters magazine would have been in existence in the first century, they probably would have subscribed to it. They fished. Their lives were about fishing. And actually, the two in uh, the second half are, it's a family fishing business with their father, Zebedee. But Jesus says, okay, you've been fishing. That's what you do. That's what defines you. That's what motivates you. That's what your life has been all about. Um, I want you to leave it. I want you to leave everything. I want you to come and follow me. And Peter and Andrew left their nets immediately, apparently right in the middle of their work day. Verse 20 tells us they left everything to follow him. Follow me. Verse 20, at once they left their nets and followed him. Verses 21 and 22 show us that James and John left their boat and their father. So apparently there was a family fishing business. So this was, this was very costly for them financially, but also emotionally and relationally to leave the family business. So what does it mean to follow Jesus? For them, it meant literally following Jesus around. So following Jesus meant I can't stay here and fish all the time because Jesus is an itinerant. So it meant literally going where he went, learning from him, seeing how he prayed, seeing how he loved others, seeing how he helped people, listening to his teaching, learning from his teaching, going wherever Jesus went. It was literally following. Now for us, it's not a literal following because Jesus is in heaven now, but it's following him in his character and mission. And I think we can summarize what it means to follow Jesus in those two words, character and mission. In other words, his character, you become more like him. You study his teachings. You meditate on his word. You gather with his people. You learn what it means to be a Christ follower or a Christian, but also his mission because his mission and his character are intricately linked. And we'll see that as we keep walking through this this morning. So you're committed to his person, his character, to being like him, but you're also committed to his values and his objectives and his goals, his, his own mission. I don't, I don't usually use an English definition, but Webster gives us some definitions of follower. If you just look up follower, it says one who gives full loyalty and support to another. Or it may apply to people who attach themselves either to the person or beliefs of another. And a disciple implies a, a devoted allegiance to the teachings of one chosen as a master. So it's very interesting uh, what's happening here. They, uh, they follow him immediately. They, they just come and do exactly what he says. Verse 20, at once they left their nets and followed him. David Garland writes this. I think this is very important for us. 
The call and the instant response of these fishermen reveal something of what discipleship to Jesus entails and should shatter our comfortable world of middle-class discipleship. Disciples are not those who simply fill pews at worship, fill out pledge cards, attend an occasional Bible study, and offer to help out in the church now and then. They're not merely eavesdroppers and onlookers. When one is hooked by Jesus, one's whole life and purpose are transformed. So this is a high demand. Jesus is calling you to follow him today. And it is a high demand. Secondly, discipleship is about following a person, not a plan or a program. The person we follow is Jesus. Discipleship is not just a plan or a program. In fact, it's not that at all. It's following Jesus Christ himself. Notice the highlighted word. Come, follow, read it with me out loud. Me. Jesus says, come, follow me. I think it's important to compare it with how other people called disciples or adherents in in that larger context. So, for instance, the Old Testament prophets never called people to follow them. They called people to follow God. And the wise men of Jesus' day called people to come learn the Torah from them, but not to follow them. And yet Jesus says, follow me. And these men did. Let's make sure that we grasp this correctly. I've I've talked about, and we'll talk about some more, the integral link between following Jesus and, and what Jesus' mission is. It's clearly a mission to fish for people. But let's make sure that we understand the essence and the heart of discipleship. It's about following Jesus. It's not being committed to a task. It's being committed to the one who gives us the task. Does that make sense, the difference there? You follow him. Follow me. As uh, Michael Wilkins says, allegiance to his person is the decisive act. You can be a follower of the church and not really be fishing for people. You can be a follower of religion and not really be fishing for people. But you cannot be a follower of Jesus without fishing for people. That tiny two-letter word is haunting in some ways. Me. Me. Jesus is speaking. You read the Gospels and you think about what happens when Jesus spoke. When Jesus spoke, the evil spirits obeyed. The wind stopped blowing on the sea. The dead were raised. Ears were opened. The veil of the temple was torn in two. And now he's looking at individuals and saying, follow me. Who in their right mind wants to make a radical surrender of their life? <laughs> Who wants to give up all of their dreams and hopes and goals and pursuit of happiness? Our country is built on 
in our constitution, right? In our declaration of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That's kind of what Americans are about. And in fact, that's one of the reasons why we're in such desperate shape in America is because people are trying to live, quote, their best life with no, uh, no understanding or commitment to, to, to real truth. That's, that's another issue that we'll probably get back to some in our next series. But the point is most people live for themselves and who wants to give it all up? And the answer is apart from this understanding right here, nobody. Those are the things we cling to, but here is what makes all the difference in the world. We're not asking you to give up your dreams and hopes and goals and ambitions for the church, for the staff, for religion. But we're asking you to hear the call of Jesus Christ himself. He is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is the one who created the world. He is the one that is sustaining it and upholding it by his powerful word. He is the one that is going to return to set up his kingdom. It makes all the difference in the world to say, follow. What's the word? Me. Do you hear Jesus say, Follow me. Discipleship is not a plan or a program. It's following a person. The person. Yes, it can be costly. But he is worth it. <laughs> now let's, let's build our main idea on our outline sheet. We've got the, the shape. And usually we give it all at once. But we're going we're gonna to give it progressively this morning. Based on what we've said so far, following Jesus means surrendering to him. Following Jesus means surrendering to him. And now let's look at the third implication for discipleship that we see here in this passage. And that is discipleship has a clear purpose. And that is to reach people for God. Come follow me, Jesus said. And I will send you out to fish for people. Jesus clearly states here that following him means participating in a common mission. And not just mastering theoretical concepts. Content and truth are vitally important. However, learning facts is not necessarily the same thing as growing as a disciple. In college or grad school, did you ever audit a class? How many of you audited a class at one point or another? You said, I'm going to audit rather than sign. Yeah. Okay, a few. I, I did it. You know, when you audit a class, and in classes I've taught, sometimes they'll have auditors. Auditors don't pay the full tuition. You know, it's It's cheaper. They come in and they sit in and they listen to the lectures. They're trying to learn something, but they don't learn as much as the people signed up for the class, right? Because the people who really are registered in the class have paid full tuition. They're going to get a grade. 
They do the homework assignments. They take the tests. They do the projects. They dive in and learn at an entirely different level than an auditor. I think it's possible sometimes in North American Christianity for us to have an auditor mentality to discipleship. You know, I'll come in and, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll attend the church services and I'll, I'll listen to the sermons and glean from them and I'll go to a Bible study or a community group or something and, and I'll, I'll gather those things, but it's, it's like I'm an auditor as I can take it or leave it. And that, that's not true discipleship. Jesus links both the learning side and the missional side right here. Follow me and I will send you out to fish for people. I define discipleship or following Jesus as learning from Jesus and becoming like him in his character and mission. His character, we grow to be more and more like him in his character. And that's where spiritual disciplines like prayer and the Bible and fellowship with other Christians come in. We do all of that so that we can become more like him in his character. But we also become more committed to his purpose. What was his purpose? Why did Jesus come to this earth? Luke 19.10, he came to seek and save the lost. So according to Jesus, discipleship, and I I put that in quotes, without evangelism is not discipleship. Because discipleship is following, and it's following Jesus. And Jesus came to fish for people, and if we're following him, we too will fish for people. Interestingly, this passage, all of this happened before Jesus um, really established all of his full teachings. He's, he's, he's starting early in his ministry to gather people that are going to partner with him. But why does he say fish for people? Why does he say fish for people? Let, let me give you some reasons why. I already mentioned the first one. This is why Jesus came, Luke 19.10. Secondly, and I've alluded to this, it's a complete change of focus and priority for them and us. I don't think Jesus said fish for people primarily to build an analogy on fishing. I think it's because these men were fishermen. That's what they knew. That's what drove them. That's what motivated them. That was, that defined their values and their purpose and their their heart and their time and their energy. And Jesus is saying... I want to shift your heart away from just the material things to the eternal things. And that's people. There's more to life than catching fish or selling real estate or teaching school or working at the bank. Discipleship means that our lives will revolve around Jesus and his purpose. Here's a third reason why he said fishing for people. Evangelism, like fishing, requires effort. Fish just don't come to you. (laughs) They don't say, I feel like getting caught today. It's work. You have to go where the fish 
are. That's why we don't, for instance, use as a, as a church model that the pastor's the great evangelistic fisherman and you heard the fish in here on Sunday morning so I can fish for them. Our model is if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you come in and we build you up and we teach you and we help shape you and love you so that you can go fish all week long. Jesus is sending them out to fish. He's not saying bring them all in to one place so one person can fish. Now, let me make this qualification. We do, of course, believe that as God's people gather together in worship, And God's presence is manifest in a place like this, that unbelievers still are indeed drawn to Christ. They'll say, wow, what is this that you have that I don't? But this is not the primary purpose of our gathering here. We also do create some events at church, like church-wide events that we might call a welcoming event or a challenging event, like in the summer, vacation Bible school. Big main purpose of Vacation Bible School is to encourage families who may not be in church to come and send their kids here to learn about God all week long. And maybe things like a, like a, a Christmas Eve service or other special things. We do things as a church. But though the things we do as a corporate body are designed to supplement what you're doing all week long, all month long in your associations, in the way that you hang out with unbelievers, in the way that you reach out to them, in the way that you fish for them. A couple more reasons why I think it says fish for people. One is that fishing and evangelism are both team efforts. We, Whenever we read something in the Bible, we shouldn't think of what our experience is first. We should think about what was their experience. We think about fishing. We think about getting a, a rod and reel maybe. And put it in the water like one line, one hook, you're doing it yourself. But they fished with nets. <laughs> they went out on boats and, and, and had big nets and put the nets in. There. In other words, they were doing it together. It took more than one person to fish. It was a group effort. It was a team effort. They did it together. And sometimes we have thought about evangelism, and maybe this is why some people are hesitant about evangelism. It's like, you think it's all up to you and you alone. But maybe we can learn to do things together in fishing. And then finally, he said, fish for people because people matter to God. People matter to God. People are lost and away from God by nature, all of us. Walk our own way. And that is something that God is very interested in changing. And so I don't know who's listening today. I don't know who's here in person or listening online. I've been talking primarily to those who've already declared their faith and allegiance, faith in and allegiance to Jesus Christ as his follower. But some of you might be learning about him. Some of you might be in a spiritual journey on a path to learn who Jesus is. And I would say to this, God loves you. God wants you to follow him. So much so that he was willing to come to this life, to leave heaven, become a human being, though he was perfect to take our own, or take all of our sin on him, die on a cross to pay for our penalty so that we could be saved through repentance and faith in him. He loves you. 
people matter to God. Open your heart to him. Today's a day that you can begin following him by faith. So let's finish building our main idea today. Following Jesus means surrendering to him and partnering with him to reach the lost. Following Jesus means surrendering to him and partnering with him to reach the lost. Not every follower of Jesus is called to leave your profession like these men were. Okay? Again, we learn things from the call and we learn what carries over and what doesn't. In other words, for them, following meant the literal following. For us, it means something different, perhaps. Some of you, it might mean leaving your profession and serving vocationally 100% of your time. But for most followers of Jesus today, it means just a radical shift in priorities to where the most important thing for you is to honor God and love God and seek Him and seek to serve Him. It's a change of priorities, not necessarily a change of job. But let's let's talk as we start to wrap it up about just some practical ways that you can be involved in fishing for people. I just want to try to give you some practical uh, steps. And then we're actually going to hear from some people who are engaged in fishing for people. I thought that would be interesting today as well. Number one, pray. That's always got to be first. Lord, what, what does it look like for me? What does it look like for my situation? Every situation is different. Some of you are stay-at-home moms. Some of you are retired. Some of you travel for a living. Some of you work out of the home. Some of you are students. I mean, we have all kind of life circumstances. Pray. Ask God. Ask God to use you. Secondly, bring gospel focus to your natural relationships. Everybody here has Natural relationships, people that you work with, people that you live around, people that you do hobbies with, or maybe your children do sports with or or dance or whatever. Everybody has natural relationships. How many spiritually disconnected people do you know? When you decide to go to a movie or play tennis or go take the children to the park, do you always immediately just call your Christian friends or do you think, let me invite this person who might be on a spiritual journey. Now, sometimes there are extenuating circumstances. Maybe someone's health doesn't allow them to get out and interact with other people. And God understands all of our circumstances. But those are the exceptions rather than the rule. Let me give you another way. And that is to team up with other believers. It's so interesting to me that Jesus called these men together. He called these men together. And they followed him together. They served him together. They learned from him together. They went out on mission for him. They did it all together. Jesus is the only person in the history of the world who is fully capable of making disciples by himself because he was Jesus. We need team efforts. We need to work together. And so... To me, I really want to put a challenge out here to you. And this is to everybody who is in any kind of group, a Bible study, a community group, 
student group, maybe a group of close friends, whatever, maybe a ministry team. I want to challenge you to do two things. First of all, I want to challenge you to talk about with your group. Just talk with your group. How can we support each other and help each other reach the lost better? What can we do? We did this in our community group Friday night. And some really good ideas came up about ways that we could help each other and team up together. And I, I think I think wonderful things could happen if every group at Harvest. So if you're a group leader, would you consider doing this? Whatever you're studying as a group, just talk with your group and say, how can we together reach people for Christ? How can we fish for people like Jesus wants us to. And then secondly, pray about it together. Just pray about it together. Let God lead you. One group might do it differently than another group. And we're not talking about your trying to create like big church structures for something that the whole church body will do. We're talking about what you and the people closest to you can do together. Because those can be really, really effective. And maybe you're not in a group. If if you're not in a group, Associate Pastor Corey Mode can help you get in a group. Or any of our elders can help you connect with others for something like this. And then finally, join ministries designed to reach people. We have some specific ministries that that is the primary and central focus. It's reaching people who don't know Christ yet. So what we're doing is... We're looking at a love life like Jesus in these weeks leading up to Easter. And first, the first week we said the challenge is to adopt his purpose, which is to seek and save the lost. Last week we said follow his pattern, that is to be with spiritually needy people. And now today we're adding become his partner. Fish for people. Fish for people. Will you make a new and fresh surrender to Jesus today to be his follower? Will you make a commitment to obey his call? I'm not trying to tell you what exactly it looks like because, again, it may look different depending on your life circumstance and your spiritual gift. But the call is the same and our God is the same. And if this feels very hard to you or impossible... Is it feel out of reach? Think about a couple of things. When something we haven't talked about much in the passage yet, Jesus said, follow me and I will send you out. He's very involved in the sending out process. He's very involved in taking just a willing vessel and shaping us and making us able to reach people. Also, he didn't leave us alone in it. He left His own presence with us. He left his Holy Spirit with us. He left us with the church to do it together. God has left us with everything that we need. Let's partner with him. Following Jesus means surrendering with him and partnering with him 
to reach the lost. Well, I've got three people who are going to join me up here now. I I wanted to, uh, if you guys will come and those that are helping set up for it, I wanted to just give some pictures of what it might look like. And the way I thought I would do it was be to take some people who are actually fishing for people right now in different ways. And we're going to, we're going to share with them. We're going to have or them share with us. Good morning. <laughs> Welcome. This is Angel Velez, Lynn Randall, and Maggie Cruz. Um, all three of these guys are an integral part of Harvest. And they're all, they're not perfect. They'll be the first ones to say. We're not saying they do everything right. Um, but God has graciously allowed them uh to be involved in the lives of unbelievers. And I wanted them to kind of help share that with us. So, Angel, why don't you start? And just if you'll introduce yourself and just give us a quick overview of how God is using you with unbelievers and what he's teaching you. And we'll just go right down the line. Hello, everyone. My name is Angel Velez, and I am a member of your family. (laughs) I work with the bank in... um, Throughout the years, what I've learned is that it is important to gain permission from people before we start sharing our faith, right? And in order to do that, uh, there is this intentional um, desire to get to know people at a personal level. There's this search for that opportunity. So typically, I just invite people for a coffee, and and I try to develop that relationship with them in order to know when is the right time to maybe possibly even introduce the idea of praying for them. My name is Lynn Randall, and I would say that in following Jesus has been a process of learning this um, challenge of fishing for people. And first, it it started with a desire and with prayer, um, attending a class on how to share my testimony, um, writing it out, first of all, and then having opportunity to practice it. So going on a short-term missions trip with a team um, allowed me a chance to sit and talk with other members who were going to be going on the trip and to practice sharing my testimony and then going into foreign countries where I needed a interpreter and gave me a little bit of time to um, to share my testimony, share um, what God has done in my life. Uh, and then the Holy Spirit really just opening up my heart and my eyes and saying, well, you don't need an interpreter and you have people in your neighborhood. And so coming back home uh, gave me a little more freedom of, like Angel was just saying, the these conversations that you have with your neighbors and the people of influence that God has placed in your life um, and just being able to give acknowledgement of what God has been doing and then the heart of prayer that Pastor was talking about first, praying about it, having the desire. Um, So that's been part of my journey. And so now I'm actively praying for people in my neighborhood and looking for opportunities to engage with others. And my name is Maggie, um, and through the years, God has really taught me this idea that, that Pastor Jerry spoke about, about making 
um, discipleship a daily part of life. And no matter what my work looks like during the day, I want that to be a part of it. So I used to work in an office. Now I'm at home with two girls full time. And he's given me the chance to be at ESL every Friday. Um, we have an ESL class that meets here at Harvest. Uh, Tish leads us and Lynn's also a part of it. And we have the nations, literally the nations meet in the cafe every Friday morning. And God has given me an incredible opportunity to come and formally present the gospel each week. And it has been such a blessing to me. Okay. We don't have to go in the same exact order, but let's talk about fear because I think most of us fear is something that can keep us from evangelism. So have any of you ever been afraid at all? Uh, help us understand that and maybe how God helps you with that. Fear is a real thing every day. And I guess, um, my perspective is I want to know the person personally first. I want them to know they can trust me. I want them to know that there's integrity behind what I'm saying. And I want them to feel that they can trust the person they're speaking with. Um, that takes time. Uh, it can take a long time. And um, once this person is in a place where they can share, especially in a work environment, right, uh, where there's so many policies that says, hey, don't get into religion speaking kind of thing. And that, that will keep, get you out of the, out of the place. Uh, it's important to gauge and make sure, hey, um, is this person open? Is this person trusting me? Um, uh, am I in a position where I can say, hey, may I pray for you? And even after developing a relationship, that fear is still there. Uh, you don't know how they're going to respond. You don't know if you're going to end up in an HR office <laughs> or with an agile coach telling you, hey, you need to be agile, but not too agile. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so the fear is always there. Um, but I think that developing the relationship, um, gaining that permission, and when I say permission, don't misunderstand that. It doesn't mean that people decide when to come to the Father. You know, the, the Father decides when people go come to Jesus. So you, you got to pray about that, have God involved in, in the approach as well, right, through prayer, and, and seek for that opportunity where people are open to, to hear more from you. Any fears there? Uh, there's definitely have been fears through past years. Uh, I think... Growing up, for me, the gospel just seems like there's so much to the person of Jesus. And so having gone on some missions trips, being trained in how to present the gospel in four easy ways, and I can share it right now. If you remember this, this is a very good thing. Everybody make your hands into the shape of a heart. Just remembering that God loves us, that he has a plan for us. He wants to know you personally. And make an X. We've all done something wrong, and that is the sin that separate, separates us from God. And so you can go more in-depth with Scripture verses, but knowing that we're separated from God, and then making a cross that Christ came to bring us back to a relationship with God. He died on the cross for us. Um, and that as a person believes this, 
and chooses to follow Jesus, that's the last thing. Make like a question marker, like shrug your shoulders. Like every person has to choose. So having that as an uh, easy example, something that my mind could grasp and understand, um, has helped to make the gospel an easier presentation if you get to that, or when you get to that point. We're going to speak in faith. When you get to that point, um, that your mind can come back to those four easy things. And I have, like, these guys have experienced fear of offense, um, fear of offending someone, the fear of rejecting, of, of rejection. I just want everyone to like me. Um, um, we, we all but, like you. Yeah, oh, thanks, Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> so there is always that fear, but God has shown me over and over again, the more people I talk to, coworkers, neighbors, the women at ESL, there is so much brokenness. There is divorce, there is lost relationships, there is failures and um, mental illness and so many things that people are experiencing in this world. And the only hope is Jesus, the only hope. And we can give them self-help things, we can meet physical needs that are very important. But God has so burdened my heart in this way that if we do not speak the gospel... Their brokenness will always be there. And so that's what I constantly think whenever doubt comes in my mind, when I look at these group of Japanese women I have sitting with me who are intellectual and smart and driven, and I say, I say, do not depend on yourself, depend on Christ. And they look at me with blank stares and it seems intimidating. I know that this is the only hope and that God is working in their hearts. So as you think about all that God has taught you and is teaching you, can you think about things? I hesitate to use the word most effective because that makes it seem like it's us, like it's strategy and technique. But just anything that God has really, really helped you with that if you could kind of summarize it or maybe something that you wish you would you would have done differently. Anything come to mind like that? Love people. Develop relationships. Don't be afraid of developing relationships. The other day, my boss in a meeting said, Hey, if you ask about who angels is in Starbucks, they're going to tell you exactly who it is. If you ask um, the guy cleaning the floors, he knows angel as well. So don't be afraid of developing relationships. Developing relationships, I think, is the first step. That's great. Oh, something unique for myself and my husband is that we had prayed for a dog and God had blessed us with a dog and we go out into our neighborhood and walk our dog and it gives us opportunity to meet our neighbors Um, you have to use that which God has given you and so our dog's name is Gabriel and I often will ask people if they know anything about that name and that can start a conversation and open an opportunity for just a small seed to be planted and um, with the the neighbors that we have many children love our dog and it gave us the opportunity to host a VBS in our backyard during COVID and um, parents trusted us and allowed their children to come we live in a very uh, diverse neighborhood with people of many different belief systems and 
children of all nations were represented at the ESL and they had a chance to hear about Jesus and we continue to pray for them and try to um, still engage them, go on a camping trip, go to dinner. So different things to stay in touch with these families. That That's bringing the gospel focus to natural relationships, walking your dog, right? Some of you know that I like dogs, but cats, eh. You can't, you can't walk your cat and develop relationships with people from, from that. I mean, so that's just great confirmation. Thank you, Leanne. <laughs> Any other word? That yeah, just to be available. Um, that's something that I have found is so important. Like Angel was saying to develop relationships. And I know a lot of you know these things, um, but Yes, being available to talk, to slow down, even if you're rushing off to go to a meeting or in your neighborhood, you need to get dinner started or whatever. Um, it, it, it takes effort. Like, like Pastor Jerry was saying before, it's not easy. And so we need to stop and slow down and listen and see the person in front of us instead of while they're talking, thinking, Oh, I got to go do this and I need to get off to this. And God's been teaching me to slow down, listen intentional and to follow up with them later it shows such great love for these people that god puts in our life yeah well thank you guys so much for sharing that hopefully this is helpful just to hear some of their experiences let's let's do this to wrap wrap it up um first of all let's let's all stand i want you guys to stay there chad can the worship team come back up and let's close after prayer with i have decided to follow jesus i think that'd be a great way to close this service again. And I'm going to ask you guys to pray. Let's see. Are you playing the keyboard? You should pray first then. (laughs) Unless you, can you pray and play at the same time? You're a mom. You can multitask. Why don't you pray first and then Lynn and then Angel and just brief prayer, just praising God and praising Jesus for who he is and also asking him to help all of us. Uh, Hey guys, this is why we're here. We're here to fish for people. We're here to follow Jesus. So pray for our church, you three, and then we'll, we'll, we'll sing, I have decided to follow Jesus. Oh God, we are so grateful to be here with you, with our fellow believers, and joining together in this, in following you, following our Savior, the one we so love. Um, oh God, would that love come out in our relationships with people that do not know you? May we acknowledge you in all our circumstances with those who do not follow you. May we say, God did this for me. God showed me this. He answered my prayer and may they see our hearts. Lord, may we be creative in how we interact with those that are in our daily lives. For that neighbor we see as we pull in our car from a long day of work and are tired but we see them in their yard. May we, may we engage with them. May we talk with them about their day. May we follow up with something that they told us last week. God, you, you are the God that gives these, these times and these chances and these opportunities. May we follow you and be obedient in proclaiming your name for you are our only hope. The world is broken. We are broken, but you give us light and life. And we are so, so thankful. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you love people everywhere. You came to give life and to give life to the full. 
And so, Lord, I just pray that you will, first of all, grow within us a desire to be obedient, to follow you. Lord, that you came and you said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. Lord, I pray that we will walk out of here with a desire to obey your command to go and make disciples. Lord, I also pray that you will just empower us and strengthen us. Holy Spirit, we will understand that it is by your power and your strength that you help us to overcome our fears. You have placed us in each of our neighborhoods, in our families and extended families, um, in our workplaces. God, you've given us opportunities to engage with other people. Help us to continue to use our time effectively that we will um, engage with others and, as as Angel said, make opportunities to, to learn more, to develop trust, to develop opportunities to make your name famous. God, we pray for this in Jesus' name. Dear Lord, as I think of that fear that comes every time there's an opportunity, I also think of Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Father, we don't lack words. We don't lack knowledge. We have everything. Father, there's many barriers. There's many layers that we need to get through in order to reach people's heart. Politics, language barriers, there's so many barriers. Lord, I pray, Father, that you will help us get through all of those barriers to reach people's heart, to develop relationships for your glory. For you are a God who loves all people. Thank you for the opportunities. And thank you for your spirit who leads us and guides us. In Jesus' name. Thanks again for joining us today from Harvest Community Church. This podcast is also available on our website, harvestcharlotte.com. Please go there if you want to send a question or comment, learn more about our ministries, or find out how you can donate to support the podcast.